Hello, my conscious soul. This is Jay Wynn. Welcome to the Conscious Chess Podcast, where we bring inspiring individuals living purposeful lives in the hope of inspiring you to be your best authentic self. This is episode number 17 with Susan Schoffer. Susan is a certified divorce coach, private investigator, public speaker, author, and TEDx speaker. Susan has first-hand knowledge with divorce, having better her own divorce. Her personal and professional experiences are a wonderful pairing to assist her clients to choose ways to approach their divorce with commitment to their future. Her personal success in defining parental alienation and recent TEDx, along with her work with the Parental Alienation Study Group, lend to her expertise in the subject. You can reach Susan via Instagram, at Susan Schoffer or go to www.susanschoffer.com. In this episode, we discuss how to deal with loneliness after separation, the steps to take prior and after separation to make the divorce more bearable, and the insights into parental alienation. Here's my interview with Susan. Thank you for being on the show, Susan. So normally, I would start off with your personal history who you are, where you grew up, and what were your early years were like? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I'm, my name is Susan Schofer, and I grew up in Baltimore, Maryland, which is in the United States. And I grew up in a family with a mother and father and two sisters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and cats and a dog and, you know, typical American, <laughs> American lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, what makes you, because you're uh, divorce coach so what made you become a, a divorce, divorce coach and why mm-hmm. well so I was in a long-term marriage mother of two children thought I had the normal life and then one day and I was a private investigator that's what wow. I did for a living I did corporate investigations wow. I know it was really cool had a lot of court experience and then one day the children and I came home and my ex left and our my my husband and their father left us. We were completely, you know, took the money, packed his stuff and left. Yeah. And in that moment in time, I, I, I realized, okay, I got this. I understand the courts. I'm a private investigator. I'll be a single mom. Mm -hmm. And what happened was what I never expected. And that was divorce court, and, and court as I knew it, I knew criminal court and I knew civil court. And here in the United States, divorce court is a civil tort, mm-hmm. but I didn't, I didn't get it. And boy, was it, it was an unbelievably challenging experience. And I did what everybody else does. I went to the internet and I started researching divorces mm-hmm. and I looked for a divorce coach and I couldn't find any. I found some life coaches mm-hmm. and they were fabulous, but they didn't know anything about divorce. Mm. So I went through it all alone. Wow. And there's a lot of professionals out there. There's attorneys and here in the States, we have guardian items or attorneys for children, parent coordinators, and, but there was nobody to coach me. Wow. And it was a nightmare. It was exhausting. It was challenging. I encountered every conceivable problematic issue. And I said, if I get out of this in one piece without losing my shirt, I will become a divorce coach because nobody should go through that. So wow. <laughs> um, I, I just pivoted my career and um, 
there was a mental health professional that had suggested it to me before I even thought about it. And also an attorney said, you know, you got your hands on the pulse of this divorce thing. You ought to be a divorce coach. So because I heard it from two different professionals, different mm -hmm. sides of town who didn't know each other, I said, okay, I'm, I'm making the right step. So I became certified and I've been a divorce coach for the past several years. <laughs> wow. At least like there's something good come, came out of it. And also that, um, how did you do the shift? So you were um, a, a private investigator before and now you're a divorce coach. So changing to a different career, there will take a lot of steps. So what were the steps that you take into following this path now? Well, that's a good question. I mean, I became certified. I took a very intensive program to where I got certification. It was a lot of hours, a lot of study hours. But being a private investigator and being a divorce coach is a real nice pairing because mm -hmm. what I help people do is find the right attorney so that they don't attorney hop. A lot of times people go through divorce and they hire an attorney because they like them. But they're not a good fit. So I teach people how to find the right attorney. I talk a lot about social media because people do things on social media that get them in a lot of trouble. Mm, and, yeah. and then I talk, I, I help them get ready for court because most people aren't accustomed to going to court. So mm -hmm. what I do is I have something called ACE, a, a, a attorney, uh, I'm sorry, court attire, conduct and etiquette. And, you know, if they follow the guidelines on how to have their day in court, they'll have a good day. It, wow, it, no. it wouldn't be nerve wracking. You know? I mean, I've seen, I've been in court, I've spent about a thousand or plus hours testifying. So I really mm -hmm. have a handle on what goes on in the courtroom. And once I help my clients, they, they go in really confident and reasonable expectations. And they walk away with a really, they don't walk away with regrets. They have a nice, mm -hmm. they've had a, they feel comfortable. They feel comfortable for the next chapter in their life. So another question that leads me to another question, which is um, how do we deal with loneliness after separation? Uh, what I see a lot, and I get a lot of emails about people who jump into relationships again. Mm -hmm. And typically what happens is if somebody hasn't resolved what's gone on in their marriage and the mistakes they may have made or things that went wrong, they will mm -hmm. make the same mistakes. You know how you know, like you may have some friends and you're like, you know, you go out with the same kind of guy over and over. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, how come? Well, I think it, it's not about loneliness. It's about take the time to do things that you always wanted to do. Take the time to really be true to your own self and, and reflect, you know, it's as far as, loneliness is concerned that's a big question because mm -hmm. we're in a pandemic right now I don't uh -huh. know about you're in Sydney yeah well is it I'm based in Sydney yeah okay here in the states we're the the virus has been rampant so mm -hmm. people aren't going into nightclubs and bars and they're not going into restaurants the way they did so the loneliness that we're seeing is more about they can't go out <laughs> because of the pandemic rather than it's not because that they're divorced, but getting divorced compounds their loneliness. Yeah. So what I tell people is connect with your friends, connect with your family. Um, there's things that you can do that maybe you haven't been able to do. 
exercise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's so much on the internet now that exercise classes, Pilates classes, yoga classes, internet parties. <laughs> there's, mm-hmm. there's a That's lot right, of, yeah. you know, house party, you know, there's a lot of things that people can do, even with the pandemic, even with divorce. Mm. So what are some steps to take prior and after separation to make the divorce more bearable? And that's, that's a great question. Because sometimes people don't know it's coming. But if, if you know that you're getting ready to be divorced, my, the biggest thing that I tell people is to start looking at where their finances are. Mm. Know exactly what you have in the bank. Know exactly what is on all of your credit cards. Make sure that there are no taxes that are unpaid that you don't know about. Make sure that there are no debts. Have, run a copy of your credit report. Make sure that there are no credit cards that, that you don't know of. I had a client who came to me after her divorce and she was $200,000 in credit card debt because wow. she and her husband had a couple credit cards while they were married. And she thought that, you know, that maybe they had closed them but that didn't happen. And he charged a lot on the credit cards. Well, here's the problem. Her name was on them. And even though they were divorced, she was still responsible. Mm-hmm. He stopped paying for them. They were all charged off and her credit was ruined for like 10 years and she had collections and oh it was goodness. really a nightmare. So I suggest to people, and a lot of times people will say to me, oh, but I don't really, you know, I don't really think, and I'm like, stop. <laughs> This is the time to do it. This is the time to do it. Look at everything. So I will walk them through all the things that they should look at and also have reasonable expectations because sometimes people will fight for a house or a car that they really don't want anyway. So I help them decide what it is that they want mm-hmm. and also how they can be safe financially so that there's no surprises after the divorce, because here's the thing. And I, I can only speak here in the States. Mm-hmm. There's only two things that can be changed after divorce. And that is child support and custody. Everything else is non-modifiable. So if you forgot something, can't go back into court and redo it, refix wow. it. It's a you done You only have one chance. One chance, one chance. <laughs> so it's imperative that, and this is what I do. I sit down with people. We talk about the finances. We also, and, and I ask people, where do you, where do you want to be in 12 months? Where do you want to be in two years, five years? And we work together and we figure out a plan. When they go to their attorney, they have a nice plan in place. I teach them how to find the right attorney. Mm-hmm. Not all attorneys are created equal. It's just like any other type of relationship. Mm-hmm. There are, I have something called the 10 questions to ask and the 10 answers that you must get. Before okay. you Most of the clients who end up in my lap usually tell me they're on their third, fourth or fifth attorney because they hire attorneys for all the wrong reasons. They like mm-hmm. the office, they like the outfit, the attorney wore, whatever it is. And I'm like, well, that's not necessarily a nice fit. Mm-hmm. You need to have an attorney, have an understanding of how you're going to communicate with each other and be on board with one another. And the other piece is I don't want the client to be a hot mess. And a lot of times clients end up with their attorneys. They keep telling 
same story over and over and that cost them a lot of money. Mm -hmm. So I teach them not only how to find the right attorney, we work on how to be the best client for the attorney so that it doesn't cost them tens of thousands of dollars. So what are like, so what are the, some of the steps um, or some of the questions to ask before finding the right attorney? Well, I can't give away all 10 of them, but yeah, give one. Okay, <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> the first one is the, and this is the biggest one, and that's communication. And it sounds like really, um, of course, communication. But so many people come to me and they're, they, they'll say, my attorney doesn't call me. I don't hear from my attorney. And that's something you need to iron out very early on in the relationship. If you want your attorney to call you every day, I say this, good luck with that. It's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. Some attorneys have the attitude, no news is good news. Mm -hmm. If you need to be communicated with once a week, let them know. Say to mm -hmm. the attorney, look, I get nervous if I don't hear from you every week. Can you communicate with me once a week? Some attorneys have portals now, mm -hmm. Oh, sort of like a doctor's office where you can go in, kind of type your name, your passcode, your username. You go in and they will... They will put notes in as okay. they work on your case. Mm. See if the attorney has something like that. If not, definitely set up a good communication because when the communication breaks down, that's when things start to go really bad, badly. And that's, yeah. that's usually the clients that contact me and will say, I don't understand. I haven't heard from my attorney in two weeks. If I spoke to their attorney, their attorney would say, well, I didn't, there was not, nothing happened in two weeks. You know, so it's, mm -hmm. it's really getting that communication down. And if you are with an attorney and while you're doing the 10 questions mm -hmm. and you, the attorney says, look, no news is good news. You may not hear from me for a month or two. Oh no. If you know that's a problem, mm -hmm. then don't hire that attorney. Yeah. And I've talked to clients who have said, well, they told me early on that they're really busy. They'll, they'll reach out to me maybe once a month. And I go, well, then why are you upset? They told yeah. you that. Yeah, because <laughs> they've already they've already like um, managed their expectation with you saying that this is what they're gonna get. That that's what yeah, right. And when things start to go badly, then the attorney may say, "I can't work with you," and they drop your case. And if wow. they drop your case, then you have to get another attorney. And and it's not about picking up where one left off. You have to start, start all over, over again. Wow, you have to start all over. So it gets really expensive. So. I have the 10 questions to ask, the 10 answers. Mm -hmm. And th this way you can avoid attorney hopping. Yeah. So, and also like there will be a lot of uncertainty. So like how can one deal with uncertainty after letting go of the life that they were once used to? I say, this is my tagline. I say it all the time. Divorce is a transition. It's not a tragedy. Mm. It's not a tragedy. It's, it's different. It's a different lifestyle. And if there was abuse in the relationship, you're free of the abuse. That's great. If it's just the loss that somebody decides they don't love you anymore, they don't want to be with you, you can't make somebody be with you who doesn't want to be with you. Mm. So I usually say to people, why would you chase after somebody who doesn't want to be with you? Because there's somebody that walks the earth right now that will adore you mm. and, and want to be with you. But first you have to learn how to be with yourself and be yeah. comfortable not being a couple for a while yeah that's right and also how can one find the courage to like go of something that no longer serves them but 
also on the other hand because we're only human so we're like okay i've invested all the time and effort into building something so how can we deal with this internal conflict that's really hard and a lot of people spend a lot of years with their therapist mm-hmm. on that one and it's very hard because what's happened is you you have this um, vision of what your life is going to be mm. you get married and you envision buying the house having the children watching the children grow up sending them off to college they come home they get married then you see grandchildren and then you and your spouse, you travel. And then when you get old, you're there for each other. And that's great when it works. When the marriage is over, half of that dream is over, mm. right? You know, that's yeah. over. But what I tell people is that was your dream. That was that a fantasy. It was a fantasy. You were basing it. It's sort of like, you know, we could say, I. I think next year I want to be five foot 10 in a supermodel, but that's a fantasy, right? It may not happen. <laughs> and, and it is the dream that we hold on to. And it's mm. the dream that we grieve. Yeah. But so not the reality. Grieve. It's not the reality. I had somebody call me not too long ago who wasn't divorced, but they lost their spouse to an early death. Wow. And, they said, you know, the reason I want to talk to you is because you tell, teach people how to go on with their lives. And this is not a divorce. It's different. And I said, well, it is different because with the death, the person who died didn't leave you. There wasn't any conflict. And they said, that's true. But the aftermath is still the same. Mm. And, and I really listened to that because, again, their, their future, their fantasy of a future was over. As mm-hmm. they knew it was over. That yeah. person isn't in their life. And I, th- I think it's, it, you just have to, and if you're having a hard time with this, I suggest that people maybe have a therapist. Some, mm-hmm. Everybody's different. Some people yeah. are grateful their marriage is over. They have felt um, suppressed in their marriage or there was conflict. And now they feel free and they're yeah. ready and, they're, yeah. excited and they're, they're ready to move on. And then others have a hard time. I can't, I can't dictate how somebody's going to feel. Mm-hmm. I can help somebody through the journey. And if they're really struggling, then I recommend that they see a therapist mm-hmm. who can walk through with them while they're, why they are struggling. Yeah. And I've noticed that you post um, about parental um, alienation on your page Can you explain to me what exactly it is? Parental alienation is usually with, and it almost always happens within the confines of a contentious high conflict divorce. And that's when one parent decides to hurt the other parent by turning the children against that parent. So for example, you have, excuse me, a father who's upset, whatever he's upset with a mother, And he decides that he's going to keep the six-year-old away from her. Or every time he has the six-year-old or the 10-year-old or the 12-year-old or the children, he badmouths the mother. He creates some some shredded doubt of her ability to be a good mother. Maybe he gets the children to be fearful of her. He Mm -hmm. may say things like, you know, your mother never really loved you or she didn't be married. Well, they say all kinds of things. And, and then the children become afraid 
or they start to not want to be with the other parent. Uh, and and it, sometimes it gets to the point where they just refuse to see that parent and parents end up losing the relationship with that child. And that's, a I see a lot of people with that, a lot of parental alienation in high conflict situations. Wow. So if things like that, parent alienation happens, how, how can you deal with that? Here's, here's the tricky place. Um, when I see parental alienation, people come to me, they've usually been alienated for a long time and they're like, fix it, make mm. it go away. Mm. What I want everybody to hear, if they are newly divorced or they are thinking about divorce and they have an, just a little idea that their ex or soon to be ex is starting to get the children to maybe be disrespectful mm. or they say things like, I don't really want to go to mom's or I don't want to see dad or dad's a creep or mom's, you know, anything like this, that you have to get with your attorney immediately. And more importantly, you have to get an attorney who specializes in parental alienation, because if they don't, those children get brainwashed very quickly. And then it's hard, it's hard to intercept. So if, if any of your listeners are just, there's just a shred of doubt, they have to get an attorney who knows what they're doing, who is, who specializes in parental alienation because the custody arrangements have to be written so densely. Mm -hmm. Therefore, any alienation that takes place can be contempt of court and the parent who's doing the alienation can get punished for it. But anything, anything, you know, short of that, you know, it can grow, it can grow legs and, and really fly. And oh I, it's tragic when it happens because the ultimate person who hurts is the child. Exactly. Because a child will grow up and thinking that like, it's, you become a mess really like, because you're still young. So your subconscious is still developing. So if you've been putting all these words in your brain, then when you grow up, then you'll, you know, be thinking, or you'll have all these issues and these traumas that you have to deal with growing up. I've talked to a lot of adults who were alienated and they will talk about their life before they became 18 and after they became 18, mm -hmm. which is the legal age here in the States. Or they will say like my former life, my later life, but all of them, all of them have said that it has altered the way and not in a good way. Mm -hmm. They look at relationships. Many have had bad, you know, they're in and out of bad relationships, trouble at work, eating disorders, alcohol and substance abuse, physical manipulations, pulling their hair, you know, picking their skin. Wow. I mean, so many anxious behaviors because they're set up for anxiety. They have one parent who is constantly berating the other parent mm -hmm. and putting doubt in the child's mind. So the child, they, they don't understand the reality any longer. Mm -hmm. But what they do is that they are very aligned with one parent mm -hmm. while they reject another. And that's a terrible place to put a child. Yeah. And also it's like a form of gaslighting in a way. Oh, it is gaslighting. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's gaslighting and <laughs> brainwashing. <laughs> it wow. is absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I, I've said to um, some kids that are alienated, they'll tell me things that are so made up that they never even happened. I did a TEDx uh, mm -hmm. about a year ago. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about that. Talk, I said, 
<laughs> that there is, um, you know, false narratives, the child will say things that have happened that have not happened. You know, they will say things like, my mom used to beat me all the time and mom never raised a hand to them. Or uh, dad has all these girlfriends and he leaves me home alone. Never happened. Wow. Never they actually happened. believed it. Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. Studies have proven that you can say something to somebody three times, three times mm -hmm. to actually, they will say that it's fact. And I've seen numerous studies of children who are told something, let's say on a Monday, Mm -hmm. And you tell them it's true and they go, no, it's not. And then you tell them again on Tuesday and they're like, by Wednesday, they go, they yeah, it. you're right. Yeah, that happened. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Does it only happens for children or is it happens for adults as for say someone saying, keep repeating it three times and you start to believe that it's actually a reality? I, well, I, it, a lot has to do with the adult uh -huh. <laughs> and, and how their brain functions. But I know with children in alienation, because Let's look at it this way. Who do children trust more than anybody in the world? Their, Their parents, parents, right? Of course. If you have one parent, you have two parents, they split up. One mm -hmm. parent's normal, healthy, and they say things like, you know, you have to go to mom's this weekend. And the child's like, okay, you know, they go to mom's house. Mm -hmm. But mom says, you know, when you go to dad's, you know, the reason I'm not married to him, because he's a liar, he's a cheat, he, you know. And she says that enough times it becomes real to the child. Mm -hmm. And think about it this way. What, what do you have to do to a child to make them not want to be with a parent? You have to instill fear in them. Mm. And that's what these people do. They instill fear. Mm -hmm. So here's, the, here's, for example, I have a client who had a great relationship with his daughter. Wonderful. He and his wife split up. They have 50-50 visitation. Every other Friday, he picks up his daughter. Mm -hmm. He showed up at the house last summer to pick her up. And on one particular day, she said, dad, I don't want to, I just don't want to come to your house. And he said, why honey? Mm -hmm. And she said, you know, I just don't want to come. He goes, well, you know, you're supposed to look once we get to the house, everything will mm -hmm. be fine. The next time he came to pick her up, she refused to get out. She was outside screaming, carrying on. She didn't want to go. And, but she had to. Mm -hmm. The third time she, she's, stood outside on the porch and said, I'm not getting in the car. I'm just not getting in the car. And the mother, and this is what the alienators will do. The mother was outside yeah. and she said, she can go if she wants. I'm not stopping her. Wow. Really? Yeah. You yeah. know? And then next week, so the, so, you know, the dad called me and he said, you know, what do you think? And I said, there's going to come a time where you go to show up and she won't even be home. And that's exactly what happened. Two weeks later, he showed up. She wasn't home. And this happens very quickly. And when he mm -hmm. said to her, why don't you want to be with me? She started saying things like, you, you cheated on mom, which he mm -hmm. did. Wow. <laughs> you, you know, all you care about is money, which is not the truth. You don't really love me, which is not the truth. But remember, the child is with the alienator all the time. Yeah, the child's been brainwashed all this time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You hear it enough. You know, well, think about a healthy situation. If you say to children in a healthy situation, if you eat all your vegetables, you'll be healthy, right? Mm -hmm. Eat all your vegetables, you'll be healthy. Eat your vegetables. You'll be, I mean, after a while, children will say as young as six or seven, mm -hmm. if I eat all my vegetables, I'll be healthy. Well, mm -hmm. if you're brainwashing them, for, that's a form of brainwashing, mm -hmm. right? But it's healthy. 
yeah. they think they're, yeah. they're telling a good thing. So they believe their parents. But if you have one parent saying these things about the other parent, the child will believe all that parent needs is the child. Yeah. Wow. Didn't know that like there's a lot of there are things like such things as this, and it's just like it's scary, you know. It's very scary, and the parent who's doing it is doing it in the moment. Mm. They want to win. They're like, ah, think, but but what they go ahead. I'm sorry. No, do you think like so the the alienator? Do you think that they actually realize their own behaviors, or they would just do it? Like without even realizing what that is going to do to the children, and also they're not able to just self-reflect on their own behavior and see, oh, what I'm doing is actually wrong. I think you're right about. I think you're right in both ways. Mm-hmm. I think you're right about both things. In fact, you are right or correct. <clears throat> um, excuse me. They they're not in that place. They're not in a place to self-reflect. They're not in a place to think about how it impacts the children. They are so angry and they are so mad at the other parent. This child becomes the pawn. What's yes. interesting is the alienator is usually the person who cheated in the marriage mm-hmm. or stole the money mm-hmm. or, or whatever. You know, They're the person who usually did whatever wrong thing it was and yet they're the angry one. <laughs> Wow. So I don't know, I don't know the psychology behind it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think anybody does. I've talked to psychologists who deal and they're like, well, I don't even know. But, but the point is that typically is how it rolls. They're angry. Maybe they're angry because they don't like the way the divorce turned out. Maybe mm-hmm. they're angry because their ex now has a new person they're interested in. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're angry because they really didn't want to leave the marriage, mm-hmm. but now it really is over. They cheated. They messed up. Their spouse has moved on and they got a divorce. Mm-hmm. Who knows? There, there's as many reasons as the day is long, but they're angry. Yeah. And what can they do to upset the other person? What would what, what upset? I mean, after a while, you can only fight about the house so much, the car so mm-hmm. much, the bank account so much. People yeah. will say, really, you want the house? It's yours. Take, Take it. it. Yeah. You really hurt somebody and kind of infiltrate in their lives. They're controlling the other person by hurting the child. It's a form of domestic, parental alienation is a form of child child abuse and it's domestic violence towards the other parent because they can't hit the other parent. Mm -hmm. They can't, there's nothing else they can really do other than keep the child away from them. Yeah, so that's the only target that they have to work on or, or still, still get the hold on the other person. So they're just hanging on to that. But it comes from a place of hurt. And resentment. Exactly. Yeah. You know, the target tar- parent did nothing. When they ca- reach out to me, I say, all you did was breathe. <laughs> all you did was breathe. And- <laughs> oh, my God. Um, before we wrap this up, I like to end it with three questions um, normally. So... Uh, the first question is, so show me one truth about you that only you know. One truth? About yeah. <laughs> well, my book, my life has been an open book and uh-huh. that I, I know. See, I, I have, I'm such an open book. Everybody okay. knows everything. About it's, but okay, that I am an avid reader. Avid reader. Mm, amazing. And what does it mean to you to live a conscious lifestyle? 
Oh, what kind of lifestyle? A conscious lifestyle. Oh, it, it's everything. Mm-hmm. It's everything. Because a conscious lifestyle means that you have an empathy. Mm-hmm. And you can definitely step in the shoes of other people. Mm-hmm. And when you can do that, the difference that you can make, whether it's in one, one life or millions of lives. Empathy, to me, is an absolute conscious lifestyle. Because wow. you can feel other people's pain. You can you can you can you can see it in them you can feel, you can it, feel it as well yeah mm-hmm. so the final question is what impact do you want to leave on this world i would like to know that there are people who are better off because i've lived mm. that's beautiful if you enjoyed this episode be sure to subscribe so you're notified when a new episode is posted Rate and review this podcast and share it with your friends. Thanks so much for listening and I hope you're leaving feeling inspired to be your best authentic self.